At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. As a little girl in Kansas, I spent a lot of time in my imagination. I didn't have a job. I was eight. So I made up stories. Basement monsters, bedroom music videos. We all kind of do this, right? Every time you go outside to play, you're an orphan. The modern world melts away, and you're going to have to figure out how to make it on your own in nature. Back then, I was reading Laura Ingalls Wilder, imagining what it would be like to eat dark maple syrup poured on trays of fresh snow. I was reading The Boxcar Kids, inspired by how they'd fill towels with fresh blueberries and eat them with glasses of milk for dinner. I learned in school about the Native American tribes of Kansas who'd make tea from wild sumac trees. I loved the idea of finding my food outside, but we lived in a suburban neighborhood where most of the homes were still being built. The trees and bushes felt wimpy and decorative. If you climbed under them, you could still find their tags. One weekend, I was outside alone, exploring a nearby construction site, pretending this was my new house. The fresh wood beams framed the blue sky, horizon for days. I sat at the edge of my dining room, with my feet sticking outside of my three-bedroom, two-bath house, feeling the cool cement foundation against the back of my heels. As I looked down, I saw the strangest thing in my yard. It was an onion. Did it grow here? Is it magic? Even though I wasn't particularly hungry, I knew instantly that as a kid on her own in the prairie, this was my only food. I was going to eat the whole thing. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, before your bug bites fade away, a fun summer romp through all the wild places a kid's imagination can take them in nature. An episode made possible by Children's Daydreams. We're going to hear three stories from different listeners to our show. First, what about being attacked by a wild animal? One that only a kid could fear. Then, one listener remembers getting so lost in her daydreams that she barely registers that someone lost her. And two cousins will tell us about getting lost in the woods and how they almost sabotaged their own rescue. No kids get hurt, but they all grow up to remember these stories. They become part of their personal lore. Oh, I'll tell you what happened with that onion. So when I was about nine years old, my family went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for a wedding. My mom's best friend was getting married. This is listener Kelly. She's a mom of two who lives in Chicago. 
I think it maybe it was during the rehearsal or there was something going on during the day. So my dad thought, oh, I'll just take the kids and there's this waterfall and we'll go on a hike. Kelly was cautiously excited. The hiking thing was new. They were a mall family, a public pool family. We were not an outdoorsy family. And actually, when they did go outside, it often ended in some kind of disaster. There was like the canoe trip where we got stuck in a tree. And then there was the time that like my brother got stung by a jellyfish. Back then, circa 1990, Kelly was a book nerd, skinny with buck teeth. At first, she and her dad and brother followed the nice wooden steps to the waterfall. But then her dad got curious. And with his two kids in tow, they started wandering down this tiny back trail. We were walking, and then just all of a sudden, there was this kind of crashing sound. An animal came bursting out of the bush. Right there, like, right on our legs immediately. It was a bird. Then it was like, wings were totally out, and it was all Feathers were all puffed up, and it was, like, slapping and squawking. Remember that Kelly's about four feet tall at the time, and in her memory, the bird came up to her waist. The bird had the rage that only a parent bird could have when a predator comes for their young. It was circling all three of them, pecking at their feet. Kelly's dad had to make a call. How would he defend his young? He reached for Kelly's six-year-old brother. My dad just kind of, like, picked him up and ran, And I guess he saw that I was running too, and he got down the trail and he turned around and I was still there and the bird was just running in circles around my legs and I was just screaming. He tried to calm Kelly down from where he was on the trail. My dad was like, it's okay. The bird's not going to hurt you. Like, just walk to me. Just walk to me. And I was like, no. And my dad, he was like, Kelly, you are louder than the bird. A good story about the wild reveals something about the true nature of us humans. Are we the pride of our early ancestors or their greatest disappointment? In the chaos, her dad could only save one of his offspring. And left to her own devices, all Kelly could do was scream. To be clear, her dad also thought this was pretty scary, enough so that he reported it to the park ranger revealed to them that this was probably a partridge. My dad was like, look, man, you didn't see this bird. (laughs) Kelly's family still refers to this as the killer chicken incident. I never let him live that down. I was like, you abandoned me. Of course you grabbed your son. (laughs) (laughs) Your daughter. Are you really upset with him? Were you then? No. Well, I was then. I had no idea. I mean, I think about it now. I have two kids. And I'm like, of course I would pick up the little one. She's easier to carry. I couldn't pick up a nine-year-old. I'd have to have one of those, like, you know, super mom adrenaline lift a card. Probably to even run with my four-and-a-half-year-old. Have you ever seen a partridge since? No. I don't think I have. I don't even know what it looks like now. I have never, like, done any follow-up work on that. Like, what if? Probably they're like six inches tall. A partridge is somewhere between a robin and a crow in size. But don't tell Kelly. I don't want to know, right? I like my memory of the giant angry bird. Here at the show, 
we asked you guys to tell us about your memories of being kids in the wild. Here's a submission from Sarah on Instagram. My older brother and sister kidnapped me at our family cabin and tried to send a ransom note to my parents on my dog's collar. The dog was not terribly cooperative, but the price, cookies, was paid and my freedom restored. We also got this comment on Instagram from Courtney. My entire childhood was spent in a little house on the prairie and my side of the mountain haze. I did a lot of foraging and making my sisters eat things that I was pretty sure were edible, but sometimes were not. Sorry about the goutweed incident. Our next story takes place not in the wild, but in a wild-adjacent place, a garden supply store in New Hampshire. To me, it was, you know, like the perfect place to just like hang out and spend a day. And I think I must have assumed that that was what was happening. This is Megan, who lives in Philadelphia. But at the time we're joining her story, it's around 1991. She's something like eight years old, wandering past peat moss bags, those flimsy trays of annuals. But she hasn't seen her mom in a while. She would never leave me here. That would be crazy. Megan wasn't concerned about finding her mom. All she cared about was collecting as many flower petals as she could off the ground so she could make little dresses for fairies. I'd never been successful with it before, but then I'd never had access to just like such vast quantities of flower petals. And I thought I'd hit the jackpot. But it had been a while. She had enough petals, so she went to check for her mom's car. I went and looked in the parking lot where it had been, you know, and felt like that sort of confusion dread. I don't know if there's a word for it, but, you know, like that sort of like, am I crazy? Is it really not there? Was it somewhere else? No, it's definitely not there where it should be. Back then, Megan had experience with confusion dread. So it wasn't the first time that I had gotten separated from my mom in a retail environment, like in a... I don't know, JCPenney or something. Like, I loved to do that thing where you would, like, hide in, like, the sort of circular bundle of clothing and, like, you know, then your parent would be like, where are you? Where are you? And you wouldn't say anything. And finally, they'd give up. And I'd done that a couple times before and, like, had the resulting panic when I realized I couldn't find her. But this time, Megan wasn't going to let the confusion dread get the better of her. Her family had just moved to New Hampshire from Brooklyn, which was hard on her. Megan's shy. She spent a lot of her time in her new backyard building homes for the naked fairies that live in the woods. She was adopted. Her parents are white, and she's half Puerto Rican, half Jewish, what she calls Jew-Eurican. She felt like asking for help would only make her stand out even more than she already felt like she did. I was determined that I wasn't going to go to another adult for help. I knew what it was like to be humiliated and feel a fool for like going to the customer service desk in tears because I couldn't find my parents. So I didn't want that to happen. I was like, I know how this goes. (laughs) You know, that was when I was young and foolish. Inside the family car, driving home from the garden center, Megan's brother in the back seat finally asked his mom, where's Megan? I don't think that my realizing the car was gone lasted probably any longer than 10 or 15 minutes, you know, before she finally, you know, came back like a bat out of hell, you know, like pulled into the parking lot. When her mom found her, Megan had gone back to picking up flower petals. She never asked for help or made a scene. It made me feel kind of more self-sufficient, you know, that I was just like, well, I'll wait and see what happens. (laughs) And I'll try not to panic and maybe it'll be okay. And, And in the end, it was okay. For a daydreamy kid, this was a pretty adult way to handle things. 
that's actually probably how I approach a lot of things in life now, you know, is that I'm like, well, I'll wait and see if it's really a crisis <laughs> before I commit to panic. So don't panic. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, two little girls are going to travel deep into the dark and dangerous woods. Stay with us. Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you lobster mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. with more of these fun childhood summer memories. You guys shared a lot of them with us on our Instagram page. Here's one we loved from at one crunchy mama. I hated summer camp. One day I just took off into the woods and wandered through until I came to a house on the other side. At that point, I slightly panicked and turned around. I emerged from the woods back at camp just as my name was being called over the loudspeaker. My mom was there to pick me up. I don't think anyone ever knew I was gone. Strangely, in my teens and early 20s, I was a camp counselor and director. I absolutely loved it, and I was a real stickler for keeping track of kids. Speaking of keeping track of kids. Hi. Hello. Kirsten's the first hi. Hi. And Aaron's the second. Hello. They're cousins who live in Vancouver, British Columbia. They actually live down the street from each other, but they're talking to me from different rooms of Aaron's apartment because Kirsten has a toddler. We're going to have them tell their story together. It's around 1997, 1998. They were hanging out at Aaron's place. We used to always go to this little lake called Thetis Lake, which is just down the road from her house. Wait, what's it called? Thetis. It sounds like fetus. You're saying fetus? (laughs) No. T-H-E-T-I-S. So the cousins are walking around Thetis Lake, and they have their two family dogs with them. Big labs with popular 90s names. There's Jesse and Tyler. They're all heading to a cantina on a nearby public beach, the place where they always snuck off for an afternoon sugar fix. You can probably guess what happened next. I was like, how much longer is it going to be? Dum, dum, dum. And then Aaron was like, oh no, we're lost. <laughs> Aaron was almost joyful about getting lost. Because when you're a kid and it's a sunny afternoon... Getting lost can be a fun game to let your imagination indulge. For me as an adult, I spend a lot of time trying to curb my imagination. When I have a thought like, did that bird just wink at me? I don't say it out loud, talk myself down. No way, birds don't wink. But if you're a kid, the bird winked, and he's here to tell you that you're a princess. Why talk yourself down? I'd rather live in a winking, monarchy-loving bird world. Maybe that day, Erin was letting her imagination be the compass, and the game of the day was help or lost. 
And I remember just like yelling as hard as I could at this kayaker, like, help, help us. We're lost. How do we get home? Smart kids, great idea. And the kayaker was like, just keep turning right. So we are like, okay, the kayaker clearly knows what he's talking about. He is in a kayak. He must know. But this kayaker was a total asshole because keep turning right is the most seventh grade joke possible. Made the girls even more lost. If you just keep going right, you'll be going in circles until dark, which is exactly what happened. And the dogs, the poor dogs, were just getting so tired and thirsty. And so were the girls. But Erin was reading all these survivalist books at the time. So she was getting excited for her new life in the woods. Well, we don't get found. I'll just have to craft a hut out of some driftwood and forage for berries. But Kirsten started imagining the worst. Thinking about if a cougar comes, like, they'll probably attack a dog, which is terrible to say, but I was like, maybe it feels better. (laughs) And that's not her wild imagination. Cougars were a legit threat at the time on Vancouver Island. My dad was a police officer and always, like, instilled me with a little bit more fear than necessary, I think, so that I would be cautious. (laughs) So he would tell me, you know, like, if you get out and there's, you know, a cougar loose, like, it could could eat you. Kirsten and Aaron made a right, and another right. And soon, they actually ended up at the public beach, found a payphone, found a quarter in the sand, and used it to call Aaron's dad for help. He said he was on the way. But... The girls didn't stay at the beach. They headed back into cougar-infested woods. We were not the brightest of children, and we thought that we're like, let's make it easier on them, because now we're at the beach. We should know how to get back, kind of. As it got darker and darker, Kirsten was thinking of what her dad would tell her, that a cougar could eat her at any time. And you wouldn't even know what was going to happen. It would just come up and slink from behind because they stalk. So they would stalk you and then attack you from behind. And you wouldn't even know what was going to happen. So to keep the cougars at bay, the girls decided to sing. We always made up songs. We had a rap song about butter, how it's better than margarine. And we used to sing that all the time. We, like, it made this jingle up. You know what you're going to have to do now? No. Butter's better, uh-huh, uh-huh, butter, yo, butter. Butter's better, ooh, ooh, ooh. Butter's better, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Butter. butter, yo, butter. And then, suddenly, they heard a noise. Well, actually, he came up from behind us. It was? He came up behind us, and he's like, get back to the Bama Beach. Aaron's dad. He drove them home, and there was a whole family barbecue waiting for them. Jesse and Tyler the dogs got their dinner. It wasn't even that dark yet. Why do you guys think you still remember this day? I just remember it being so ridiculous. Like, I remember getting home with Uncle Ian and Auntie Jane, and, and I just remember being mocked. Like, how can you get lost? We've lived here our whole life. How do you get lost? And I just remember being like, oh, God, this is, we'll never let this down. And for the more scared cousin, this might have forever shaped her life. My chosen career path is a surveyor, and I work in the office all the time creating maps. 
So I feel like I no longer have the ability to get lost in most situations. I have, like, nailed it down. When we come back, I'm going to finish my story about the onion. And we're going to see if my mom remembers it, too. Okay. Don't go away. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. So I'm an eight-year-old girl in Kansas, and I'm surprised when I find a real vegetable in a pile of dirt next to a construction site. But did I? The weird thing about being a kid is that when you look back at all these memories as an adult, you get the chance to do a completely new inventory of the experiences with all this new intel. Like, all right, animals can't talk. And yeah, some kids are mean to you. And that's what the neighborhood actually looked like. And when I'm exploring these childhood memories, I love to call up my key witness. Do you remember me ever eating anything weird? Nope. Okay, wow. Because I totally did. This is my mom on the phone. This is the time we usually talk when she's driving home from work. So I do remember eating these plums from a tree in my neighbor's front yard. Me and the neighborhood kids, we all did it, I thought. It's the ornamental plum tree. It's the plums you're not supposed to eat. Did you eat them? Yes. Maybe one of the neighbors had a real fruit-bearing plum tree. I don't really remember them happening that way, though. So I told her about the magic onion. I brought it home, my amazing onion find. I ran it under the hose. I peeled off the skin, and I'm pretty sure I ate it like an apple. Yum! peeling back all the mysterious layers and wondering if I'd find something magical inside. It was this shiny white orb, the size of a softball. It tasted sweet at first, then increasingly intense. My nose started to run, my eyes were watering. I remember thinking, the onion is working. This was my Snow White moment. Between sips of water from my hose, I kept eating until my face was pink and the onion was gone, I buried the skins under a rock in the yard. And then, when I went inside, I waited for the magic. My wings to grow, my real parents to find me. But instead, my mom pulled my face close and sniffed. Is that... onion? I don't remember that at all. This is terrible. It's okay, but you caught me. I think I came in and you were just like, why do you have onion breath? Like the cousins at Fetus Lake, 
I remember this feeling of being ashamed of my adventure and remembering not to let my imagination control me again. My mom was looking at me like a pet dog. What did you eat? You smell terrible. But today, my mom's into it. From a kid's point of view, that is super cool. Like, what a great memory. Till she asks me this. But did you dig it out of the ground? Probably not. I think I remember removing this, the sticker. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you found some... Oh, wow, that's a whole different story. <laughs> when my mom was raising me and my brother, she believed in that old wives' tale that every kid should eat a pound of dirt, which she enabled by taking a strawberry picking on trips to apple orchards. And maybe in 1993, that's how she thought of the onion. Except you didn't really find a wild onion, did you? I don't think so. <laughs> you found an onion that fell out of somebody's grocery sack as they were bringing it in, rolled into the next yard, and they didn't go chase it because it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> This episode was produced by me, Andre Salenzi, with Elizabeth Nakano and Jackie Sajiko. Our editor is Abigail Keel, who's also the senior producer of a show we love called Unladylike. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineer is Pete Karam. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Acatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time... When Tia checked out of her hotel in Istanbul, she had an important message for the clerk. Oh, hey, by the way, there's a placenta in your trash can. They didn't even say anything. They just looked. And we were, like, awkwardly looking at each other. And I was like, all right. Gotta go catch this cab now. (laughs) Do not miss this episode. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time on Stitcher or wherever you're listening right now. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear your surprising stories. Right now, we're looking for epic asshole toddler stories, where the toddler totally won, and what you did about it. Tell us. Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the participate tab, and submit your story. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.